the only thing that you can actually do is sit down and make fucking great records. That is it. You sit down and you make the greatest music that you can possibly ever make. Don't go to anyone. Don't ask for anything from anyone. Just make the music. And when it's the time is right, if the music's good enough, nothing can stop you. My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo. My guest this week is the artist Baby Queen, aka Bella Latham. We explore her career from being discovered on Instagram to signing her record deal and blowing up as a rock star during quarantine. Bella talks about everything from being inspired by Taylor Swift and Oasis to the difficulties she faced with being raw and honest with her craft because of growing up on the internet. Plus, she lets us in on how, for her, clothing is a costume or armor to express the feelings she wants to convey with her music. Baby Queen has been making some of the most incredible music lately, and I'm so glad we got her on now because I have a feeling pretty soon she's going to be way too big to come on this podcast. Let's go. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, just busy, re- super busy. Yeah, because you're, it's funny because I was talking to some friends of mine about you and they're like, oh yeah, she basically became a rock star in quarantine. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. It's it's a <laughs> it's a bit of a crazy story. It's um it's definitely not how I always imagined it happening. <laughs> oh really? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> you can't. It's it's like the one thing. It's the one variable that I just didn't think of was the global pandemic. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That whole that whole vibe that whole just thing. Kinda... Yeah. <laughs> because you've you've been playing shows right but you haven't they've all been like video shows because i've been watching some of your your live shows but it's you know it's it's on youtube yeah it's um we did like a a tour with youngblood (laughs) which was literally just like (laughs) playing like four shows on the same day like filmed out uh filmed and and streamed out and then Everything else, yeah. I'm playing a festival tonight in Texas. <laughs> oh, oh, you're doing South by? Yeah. Okay. Wait. So, what is that going to be? Because I mean, it's what it's it's in the evening in your time. So you're you're doing like a, a late night show, I guess. Well, I'm actually no, because it's already been filmed. We filmed them like this. It's the, they all work like this because connection. You can't really trust it. Do you know what I mean? So it's all oh. everything's always filmed and then like broadcasted out. This is the, these are the inner secrets of the music industry that I'm spilling right now. <laughs> it's yeah, all a it's, lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird vibe because, um, um, what is it like that? There's an app or whatever called like Bands in Town. And I've yeah. been watching live shows, like live streamed concerts at night at home, like eating a bag of chips. Isn't watching. it so weird, man? I did that with uh, Liam Gallagher. Yeah. I got drunk watching Liam Gallagher performing on the Thames, um, like down the Thames. And I was just at home, like getting drunk, drinking wine by myself. It was so, <laughs> watched it on a laptop. <laughs> that has got to be a vibe. It wasn't. It was not. Like, you don't want to hang. <laughs> you don't want to hang with that girl. <laughs> Wait, okay. Before we, we jump in, are you Liam or Noel? Whose side are you on? Oh, you know what? I don't know. I love a bit of Liam Gallagher, though. Like, I do. I love a little bit of Liam. 
Um, but fuck, man. I don't know. I don't. I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know, like half my fan base is going to be chopped off because there's such a big intersection between Baby Queen and Oasis fans. Yeah, there you go. I love the fact that he signs his tweets like that's like it. Their letters. Like I love his tweets. Like I literally just follow him on Twitter. I follow like three people, and one of them is him. And every time, and then every time he like tweets null, I'm like, yes, Liam Slay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he's uh he's got he's got some he's got some baggage you yeah know. for sure Cla- classic uh oasis guy classic um so you are not originally from the uk right i mean you you grew up in south africa yeah i grew up in a city called durban on the east coast okay what, what was that like um yeah i mean it's a very sheltered upbringing um uh Obviously, there's so many things that are different. Like, you can't just walk around. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, you can just walk around here. Like, you can't really, like... I couldn't walk to school. I wasn't allowed to because it's not, like... It's it's a very different um, different world. And culturally, the people are so different. I, I remember when I came here... Um, I tried to speak to people on the train and like start conversations to make friends. And they were like, who is this South African weirdo speaking to me right now? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was good, man. It was good. I, I definitely do consider London to be my home. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I moved to New York when I was 19. Yeah. And it's a, it's a weird vibe to go basically from anywhere to a, a massive city at, um, at like at an age where like adulthood is also occurring at the same time. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a tricky age. I think from nineteen to like where I am at twenty three. Yeah. Um, I think I'm just coming at, coming out of the tunnel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know you're trying to figure stuff out. You don't have any money. You don't know what you're doing. Uh, it's a really tumultuous age. So I think to like leave everything behind and come at nineteen, it was. It was a pretty wild thing to do in hindsight. Like, I wouldn't have let my kid do it. Yeah, right? Isn't that funny? Yeah. Like, I, I have a three-year-old and, you know, some of my other friends, they have kids too. And we were talking and I was like, man, if my kid comes up to me and it's like, yo, like, I want to go move to New York or I want to go move to London, I'm going to be like, the fuck you are? <laughs> yeah. If my kid comes up to me and they're like, I'm going to be a pop star, uh, mom, I'm moving, packing my bag and moving to London, I'd be like, oh. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> but this is all part of the plan, right? Because you are a huge Taylor Swift stan, right? Yeah, I'm a huge Taylor Swift stan. Um, I did have a Taylor Swift fan account on Twitter when I was 13. Yeah. W- w- wait, what What was that like? It was, well, it was sick. Like, I got her manager, who we, do- we don't stan Scott Borchetta anymore, but he followed me on Twitter. I remember that being like the most exciting thing that ever happened in my whole life. I was like screaming, ran down the stairs like, ah! <laughs> like mom. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, it was good. It was called At Society of Swift. Um, mm. Yeah, it was quite popular amongst the uh, the Taylor Swift fandom back in, back in my day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I was, a, I was, I've, I've always been a really big fan. I think, um, I saw the love story music video on TV the one day and I was just like, I have to do this. 
That song still totally slaps. It still slaps. Like the new version came out and it slaps even harder than it did 10 years ago. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's like, it, it's crazy because I mean, I'm, I'm glad she did that because uh, Scooter's trash. But like <laughs> um, the whole, like redoing those things almost identical it's it's nuts. I mean, they sound better I mean, than it's, ever. It's powerful, isn't it? Because, I mean, I think a lot of people thought that she was going to just go and sort of, like, reimagine them. But the whole point is to sort of, like, throw the other albums out of market. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, they got they got it pretty damn close. The like that you can hear it's better. You can hear it's like years later or whatever. But it is a it's pretty close. Like to someone who's not a musician, I think they listen to it and they like that is um the same song, exactly the same song. Yeah, it's like I from what I heard that so much of it was so accurate that like Apple Music was having issues like. Yeah. Choosing the correct one when people are searching it and stuff. Oh my God. That's mad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you, from a young age, you get really into Taylor Swift and like, when did you start writing music? Um, I, I actually started making music before that, weirdly enough, because I always liked writing in school, like writing stories and poems. And, um, I loved, I always, always loved words. And then I think, I started, I like to sing as well. And then I learned that those two things could go together. Um, and I started to write songs about like my sausage dog and my cat and like, you know, my friends at school. And do you know what I mean? Like it develops from there. And I had a little piano in my bedroom. And then, and then, yeah, I just, I just like fell down the rabbit hole. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You just, you just fall down the rabbit hole. Like once you start, it's just like, that was it. I just, once I like picked up like a guitar and like that was literally it and um and yeah and here we are (laughs) what was what was the first song you learned on guitar the first song that I learned was I think it was a John Mayer song um hell yeah yeah what's like the really famous John Mayer song uh your body's a wonderland um, one of one of them. No it was such one, thing. Yeah. It was one of those things. Um, and and yeah, it was like a four chord song. Um, I learned to. I, I went to like a few lessons in the shop where I bought my first guitar. Yeah. And then I found the teacher on Instagram like last year, this year, um, that taught me how to play that first song. And I messaged him, and yeah. And you were like, "Yo, check me I out." I was like, "Yo, dude, look at me now." <laughs> Look at me now, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good American accent, by the way. Thank you. I've been working on it. My plan <laughs> is my plan is to descend upon the states and and completely blend in. No, I don't want- you you want to be you want to <laughs> stay Brit. Trust yeah, but- me, the only way to to like blow up like you you think about like the cool punk bands and stuff. Like I remember when I was getting into. Uh, you know, it was what is like Kings of Leon, right? Like Kings of Leon had to yeah, go yeah, be yeah. accepted in the UK before uh-huh. they were accepted here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so true, man. It's just like I do. Um, I love the American accent. It does. It does make me laugh. I love it. <laughs> but I was reading like you learned to sing in an American accent. Yeah. So if you listen to like the first songs that I ever wrote, um, obviously because I was only listening to Taylor, like, so I literally sounded exactly like Taylor. Like in these first songs, I just wrote on my guitar and like recorded into like Mixcraft on my computer. And it's literally like 
Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad, right? I mean, she's, you know, she was pretty great. Like, there's... Yeah. I just think, like, you know, it takes a long time to not mimic the people that you look up to because it's that's what you initially do, you know? You go into it because you're looking up to someone doing it and you do, you write like them or you do it like them, you know? So, yeah, I think I was so close to actually singing Baby Queen in an American accent. I was, like, in the studio on the day doing the first one and I was like, should I just sing in my own accent? And my producer was like, yeah, just try that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because like I when I was like trying to sing myself and learn how to sing and learn how to play music, the best way to do it is to basically like emulate your favorite singers. I mean, it's why you have a gajillion yeah. dudes that go into falsetto all the time because mm-hmm. they got really into Tom York and Radiohead. And so everything is just like, uh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. it's like it's it kind of helpful. Absolutely. I think I think it's like what continues the genres going. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like new people coming up looking at someone else doing that and then they follow they just modernize what that person has done. Um but yeah, it's crazy, man. I mean, all art is essentially just like it's essentially just taking bits of other art and making the new the the art new in a way that it hasn't been seen before. Do you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. nothing that you've done that hasn't been done before essentially. Yeah, it is. It's crazy too because you think of like so many songs that are like the chord progression of like G C D E minor, and yeah. you're like, oh man, like that's this song. That's oh my god, absolutely. Um, that's time of your life by Green Day. That's yeah, that's like, <laughs> and and there's a reason why. Um, that is, it's because it works. Do you know what I mean? So it continues <laughs> yeah. to work because it's it's a good chord progression. Do you know what I mean? Or it's like that is a I don't know, like the, the, some people like the, I don't know, uh, vocal riffing and stuff. And like, it, it keeps on working. Do you know what I mean? So anyways, yeah. I'm all about plagiarism, obviously. Like, obviously, <laughs> like, I've obviously come on here to advocate copying other people's work. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I would, I would never insinuate that in any way. But like, there is a, you know, and I don't mean to sound, um, like apocalyptic or anything, but there is a pressure and a weight that I think is on musicians of now more than ever in the sense where, you know, I I mean, a lot of the stuff that's written about you is like, oh man, she's talking about like drugs and alcohol and, and what it does and mental health and all this. And I feel like back in the day, a musician could write about that, but the story was like, they had some cool jeans and there was a billion Mm -hmm. people at the show. But like now I feel like there's this, sort of um informal pressure and narrative of to be someone who communicates about social justice and exactly what it means to be a a human or you know in your case a 23 year old woman in britain at your age i think it's um it's a difficult landscape to be navigating at this time not only you know being like for any young person right now um it's a i think it's a difficult time to be like a teenager to be growing up like alongside the age of the internet and Mm -hmm. um you know there's there's a lot like we are we experience like sensory overload on a day-to-day basis like there's so much that kids have to deal with now um 
you know, there's a lot of mental health stuff, mental health stuff that's triggered by the internet and triggered by the way that society has ended up, you know, being. But I feel, yeah, I mean, I feel like, like there is, there is, I, I, I just feel like I've got to make music that is true to me and, and sort of like speak my truth and stuff. And however, whatever people want to say about that or like however they want to interpret that, you know what I mean? I feel like as long as it comes from a place of like something that's raw and honest to me, then, um, then yeah, it's, it can't be bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, like listening to raw thoughts, which is a absolute banger of a song. Um, you know, I was singing it and I was like, Oh shit. Like there's, there's some, there's some weight to these lyrics. Yeah. Like, can you tell me a little bit about that? <clears throat> about the song specifically? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, like that writing process. Yeah, so that song um, is actually one of those like amazing songs that, you know, like you can spend hours and hours or days, weeks, months on a song. And then sometimes you write a song that just arrives. Like it's mm -hmm. almost like it almost just comes out in 20 minutes. And that was one of those. It was actually, I was so hungover from the night before that the song is about. Um, and I was actually sitting at this exact table that we are talking on. Wow. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And, um, and, and yeah. And I, and it just sort of like, um, I think there was a lot of emotion in me at the time. And it, it was sort of like, I always describe it as like word vomit, that song, because it's sort of just like, it just, I just sat down and I just wrote it. Um, and I think that I really loved that song seemed to like catalyze some, something in me because I really loved that really wry, frank way of saying something in the way that you just say it like exactly as it is in its sort of rawest form. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what that song felt like. And that was the first song that I actually wrote that became a part of the Baby Queen catalog. And then from that point, you know, Buzzkill came shortly after that. And then they started coming. That was actually the first song that I was like, this is interesting. This sort of tone of voice. And that that song really interests me. And, and it was like a catalyst to pretty much everything else. Yeah, I mean, because there, there's a, a lot of heavy references of... Uh of drugs and all sorts of stuff through there, but there's yeah. a, there's a sense of regret. Yeah. There's, there's always, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like that is the, the one thing that made me feel okay about making music that, that, and, and you know, putting something out that's going to reach so many people and talking about something as heavy as, you know, drugs, in that way, I felt like the only thing that made me feel okay about doing that was that it was coming from a perspective of I've been there, done that, and it's not, I'm not like, it's not glamorous and it's not pretty and it's not, you know, like, but I guess, I guess it's a, it's always tricky territory, that sort of thing. But I, I did feel like, um, it was, it's my prerogative and it's like, that's the promise that I've made. Do you know what I mean? Like is to be honest with my stories. Like that's, that's what, I, that's what I feel like I'm meant to do. Um, so if I'm telling people about all these other parts of my life and then leaving out, you know, bigger things, I feel like that's not the full picture. 
Yeah, I mean, the purest art is honesty, right? So, yeah. I mean, if, and that's kind of, I think, a good thing that a lot of musicians and any sort of artist can lean on now is with everything that's happened with culture and the evolution and, I don't know, degradation of it all, like, it's okay to, like, be yourself. And I think, yeah. you know, I have friends who... um are like all into being sober now because mm-hmm. they, I'll say this, like they think it's cool. Like they're yeah. like, no, like, but this is, the, and it, it's kind of nice. Like there's now like larger communities of sobriety or like not doing drugs or, you know, whatever. And like back when, not that I'm old, I mean, I'm only 35. Back um, in my day. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're like, it was like you either are going to do mushrooms and listen to Limp Biscuit or. Yeah. You are a limp biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get you. I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not part of the part of the sober gang. Um, yeah. There were times when I considered that you know, like this is ridiculous. Like, get your your actual shit together and stop being a limp biscuit and sort yourself out. <laughs> and um, I, you know, I think that you just, you just learn and grow. I think that, you know, I, I've spoken a lot about escapism, you know, and, and wanting to escape your reality because I think I, I speak a lot about, you know, depression and, and sort of like mental health, all of that stuff. And so, you know, I think I was in such a difficult, dark place for a long time where, anything is better than the reality that you're in so it's almost like it's it's like we we find different ways to escape being unhappy in our realities and sometimes it's you know drugs and alcohol sometimes it's sex sometimes it's exercise um and it's just it's just like another form of that so i feel like people can relate to it in a self in a in a in a way because of their own self-destructive tendencies that might be different to mine but it's all the same thing because you don't like yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, on that, how have you been surviving quarantine other than making hit songs? On that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I've grown up a lot. I feel like I've grown up. I think I feel like I've aged five years in the past year. Honestly, do. Um, I think I'm in a place now that I didn't think that I'd ever be in. I didn't think that I'd ever be this okay and like this stable and this functioning as a human being. So, mm-hmm. you know, but having said that, it's you have your like depression is a, is a thing that actually exists and then you have you like have bad episodes, you have like good days, bad days, and we all do, you know. Um but I think it's been all right. I've been one of the lucky people. I mean, I I can't really sit and and say you know, I've had the worst year of my life or whatever because I've been incredibly lucky um, yeah. with everything. You know, I, I signed my record deal in quarantine over Zoom. <laughs> yeah, so. wait, because you were like discovered on Instagram, right? Yeah, it was it, it was so weird because I I had been making this music for like a year before that. And then, mm-hmm. um, oh, I'd gone through like horrible stuff with a it's very difficult let's it was just a very difficult process and I was almost at this point where I was like oh fuck like I don't know what to do I don't know like 
um, I don't know where to turn. And then, um, I, I went to my friend who's my manager, Seb. And, um, then like so soon after that, after he came on board, like my A&R had found my Instagram account, which was just pictures. And like, I don't know, I was being a twat on the internet. And okay. Is um, it still up or did you archive that shit? Dude, I archived a lot of shit like there's probably there you like, go you know what like i think <laughs> clean I, I up think that I, digital presence i think i like did like an archive i think <laughs> i've done an archive a ma- a mass archive every fucking year of my life do you know what i mean um but yeah so she she found me on instagram and she was like oh my god she's really cool and then <laughs> and then they messaged me and then they were like do you like we want to hear your music but they they hadn't heard anything they were just like your personality is cool, which is so weird. And then, and then I was like, here's a fucking album. Listen to that. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I figured you were like, oh, I used the hashtag sign me and I had raw no. thoughts and all this stuff on there. And they were like, boom. No, well, you know what? DocuSign. I, think I had nothing out. <laughs> I had not one song out. It was all so hush hush, everything. And then I think... um, yeah, you know, I think A and R's are always on the prowl. If you're a musician, if you're in the scene, that's honestly they you're you're, you're being watched. You're not safe. Oh, yeah. None of you are safe. You're next. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, I mean, so were you like? Did you have like v- videos of just like TikToks or goofy stuff? Or I mean, that's that's wild. Yeah, I mean. No, not really. I just used to write really, really long captions. Like, <laughs> Bingo. To like, okay. I don't know. Just like, I was just, I don't know, being myself. But it's not like, it's not like you, it's not like the, these fairy tale stories that you hear, like you randomly get randomly discovered, like Justin Bieber randomly gets discovered. Like, On there's, YouTube. there's, you know what? There's so much more. I feel like, I, if I had heard this story as a young kid at 14, I would have thought, oh, cool, it's that. It's like that. That's how it happens. But it's, I mean, the only thing that you can actually do is sit down and make fucking great records. That is it. Mm -hmm. You sit down and you make the greatest music that you can possibly ever make. Don't go to anyone. Don't ask for anything from anyone. Just make the music. And when it's the time is right, if the music's good enough, nothing can stop you. Whoa. And that's... As my TED talk. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that is some serious, serious uh, level maturity experience yeah, I'm in right a, there. I'm in a super philosophical mood today. You've caught me, you've caught me in, in one of my, uh, in one of my thinking. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you caught me in a thinking phase. No, no. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's true. I mean, like, in a sense, like, the only people that I think are, I don't know, this sounds mean to say, but like that stay successful and don't become like Chumbawamba uh, is people that just make like super raw, honest, good music over and over again. Yeah, um, it's it's hard to, I think it's really hard to maintain it if you you aren't, if you don't love it firstly, like properly, properly love it, you know? And it, that's mm-hmm. something that I feel like you have to lose and rediscover all the time is your love for do, for doing for making art i think but if you don't have that and you don't have a good work ethic it's just like it's really hard to maintain it and um yeah that's it so you've been writing all this music 
at your place. Yeah. Um, you know, digitally, right? So like, what's been your setup like? Because I, you know, I mean, is is this just like a MacBook and GarageBand or? Yeah. So it's been yeah. So it it started MacBook. USB microphone, so not this fancy one. Um, not the SM7. No. Nah. Yeah. Okay. N- uh, n- like a USB microphone, like a gaming microphone, and a garage band, and then, <clears throat> so that's what I did for ages, and I like made all my demos like on Garage Band, like by playing the piano keys as the keyboard on the laptop, sort of thing. Oh, sick. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like going full QWERTY for your songwriting. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so I, I, yeah, so I just, I just, I just wrote, man. Like, I just was obsessed. I'm, I was more obsessed than I am now. I'm finding it hard to be as obsessed again, but I was just obsessive about it. And then I, I would send it off to my producer. So I'd literally just sit here at home and just go for no reason, just all night, all the time, over and over again. And then, um, yeah, now things, are, I, I was in a box record, a vocal box, like a box, a cardboard box over my head during quarantine, doing the vocals for the EP. And now, um, things are a little bit different. I've got Logic okay. Pro. I've got Logic Pro. Oh, I've got big a, flex. I've got a sound processor and I've got a little songwriting studio that I'm about to move into this week. Wait, like you got like a, a- a physical a little, location? Yeah, because I, I have my producer's studio in West West London. Um, this but, is King Ed? King Ed, yeah, King Ed, legend. Um, but yeah. but I need, like, this. I can't write lyrics with anyone anywhere near me. Like, do you know what I mean? I have to be, like, completely just, like, in my little bubble. So I got a lyric room on my road. So it's sick. So good because, like... It has to be outside of my house, otherwise I will just sit in bed and like watch Drag Race the entire day. Wait, hold on, Drag Race. Yeah. You mean the greatest show in the history? You mean of television? the greatest show in the world? <laughs> oh yeah. shit! Why Drag did you Race. have to talk about that? I'm, I got all these notes that, Dude, that I wanted to stay on, Drag but we got to talk about like Trixie and Katya. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I like Sasha Velour. I've always loved Sasha Velour. The hat trick, loved it. That was one of my favorite seasons. Okay. Dude, dude I'm a big, uh, we're currently watching two. The one, ep- the American episode comes out on a Saturday night and the UK episode comes out on a Thursday night. Um, Wait, who hosts the UK? Is RuPaul Ru- in both places Ru- at the same time? No. <laughs> yeah. Ru- no, RuPaul has a twin. Breaking news. No, RuPaul, they're, obviously they filmed it at different times, but yeah. I'm I'm super obsessed. Like I know all the little songs and the transitional. Do you know what I mean? Everything that all Bruce tag mm-hmm. phrases. Yeah. Sissy that walk. Sissy that walk. <laughs> Bring back my ghetto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, Sashay away. <laughs> I I drag race like anyone in drag. Those are the real rock stars. Like those are the real MVPs. Oh my God, that is amazing. It is incredible. And when you see a drag queen, that is just such a phenomenal performer. I mean, these these girls are like all round incredible. Like, it's amazing. I'm just like, I could never, could never do what they do. It's phenomenal. It's like they can d- design clothes, like makeup, s- performing, acting, dancing, like personality, like- Agreed. Whoa. Yeah, that's that's- 
been the only so thing, good. and I'm not getting controversial, but a lot of the a lot of the like new praise on Harry Styles. I'm like, no, no, no. Once Harry Styles starts doing drag and really starts going, then 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 we then he can be yeah. the king. But no. Yeah, it's 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 mad. It's crazy to me. I feel like it's like you know someone that's in the mainstream media can do the <laughs> smallest thing, and it will be like. Whoa! Oh my god! And then you have these people that are literally like pushing the boundaries of entertainment. Like I'm obsessed with drag queens. Like I think they're amazing. Like that's what I. If if anyone wants to like go on a date with me, like it's a dra- like let's go and watch a drag show. Like that is so yeah, fun. Yeah, I was gonna say there's some pretty damn good drag in London and also in New York. But you got to slide into Trixie's DMs because Trixie is like a pretty legit guitar player and. And songwriter. Okay, well, Trixie, Trixie, if you're listening to this, watch out. I'm coming for you, girl. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, damn. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I got to get back on back on topic here. So back when on you're track. when you're writing your lyrics, you like how does some of your songwriting work? Only in the sense because I feel like a lot of people now, everything they do is voice notes on their iPhone. Like they're walking around, something pops in their head voice notes on the iPhone, and then like, then they're just like piecing together different vibes throughout the day. Like, what is what is your process like? I mean, there's a lot of voice notes on the iPhone. Um, That's kind of unavoidable. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I've got like thousands. And, but I think I'm a big like lyric collector, like I collect lyrics or like I I collect phrases. and then I, I, I will hold on to them if I think of a really amazing line. Like I can think of some that I'm holding in my mind now that I haven't oh, yeah? used yet. Um, but like, so I ho- like I'll keep them all in one place, one note, whatever. And then sometimes I'll divide them up into cat like topics, you know? So it's like, these are the little thoughts about this topic. These are the thoughts about this. So that by the time you get around to writing a song, you've got all the things that you've ever thought about that thing. It's revolutionary, right? So that's what I do. And then and then my preferred way to write is to write to like a loop or a sound loop that I can then just like build the topography of. But I find that if I have to play an instrument at the same time as writing or think of chord progressions at the same time as writing, it takes the impetus and significance out of the lyric. So I have to always think of the lyric, but I don't like to write the lyric without the audio because then it's too poetic and Shakespearean. <laughs> so you have to have the two th- <laughs> Yeah, it's like thou art did once <laughs> break my heart. And I'm like, this is not going to play on the radio. Um, so so yeah, I, I, I usually will like make a little little sound bed or whatever and then just like yeah sometimes i write the choruses a cappella like mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i don't know what song i've done that for that has already been released i don't think any of them oh these drugs every time i take these drugs to pick i think i was walking around somewhere one day and that just happened and and then i was like that's the chorus we have to put the music to that um, so it happens oh, in different wow. ways. Like that's the full kit and caboodle there. Like there's um, Jeff Tweedy published a book not too long ago called How to Write a Song and like hearing all these different ways of where people approach songs. You also have people like, I don't know, um, Sufjan Stevens who basically writes gibberish and then tries to find words to fit the gibberish melody that he wrote. So 
Oh yeah, I I do that as well. So you'll be like, um, like like with with Pretty Girl Light will be like, and I'm singing your turn, and you can bang and no, and then you're like this cigarros get the right syllables. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, this is a three syllable word. That's a two syllable word. And then sometimes it feels like you're doing like a, an intense math equation. And I'll be here like with the biggest freaking like i hate it sometimes i just hate it and like want to like smash my head against the wall because the number of syllables do not fit the thing that i'm trying to say oh damn but you get some wordy stuff there's a few things where you you get like legit like Joni mitchell spoken word action going on yeah we've got a bit of we got a bit of spoken word that's the rap goddess and me coming out watch out cardi b (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's some stuff in there for sure yeah you know why you know why because I didn't want to fit my syllables into gibberish because I didn't want to have to to do that and I couldn't find a melody. So I just said it. There you go. (laughs) I just said I don't have a melody, so I'm just going to say it in the studio. And my producer was like, okay, and then just said it. There you go. On the the note of your, your rock star career that's been happening right now. Oh, yeah. The best thing of being a rock star is wearing all the cool clothes and getting that vibe going. So, and this being a podcast that's primarily about fashion, um, what's what's been your looks like? What what have you what have you been like kind of gravitating towards clothing wise? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I was I was like born. I would say like I'm not a fashionable person. Like I ju- I just like I'm not. You know, some people like have like intrinsic style. Like clothing wise, like that's a real talent to me. I'm just like, okay, that's fair. I, I would just always leave the house, like, I don't know, like in a tracksuit, like the, the easiest thing to put on. Do you know what I mean? But then when you're, when you're sort of like making music and trying to tra- transfer art into visuals, you know, you want to be able to play the role that you need to play. And it, for me, Clothing is more like almost like an armor. Do you know what I mean? Or like you you put on your costume. It's like there's welcome something... to the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's like um, you know, and you walk out the door and like nothing's gonna touch you after that. You know, so I think there's I love um I feel like at any one time there's like a million different character characters inside of me. You know, I'm sure it's the same for loads of people. Like there's million like you never know who you are on any certain day. I feel that way sometimes, but you yeah. know, I'm not crazy. Um, no, but, no. But like, yeah, so I think that, you know, I think clothing is like the most amazing way to to like be able to show that on the outside and to be able to show that what's on the inside on the outside. Do you know what I mean? It's it's um it's a pride thing, uh, I yeah. think, clothes. But anyways, well, yeah, fashion. No, it's a- you're being very humble <laughs> yeah. in, in the sense it's a taste thing too. I mean, like, I feel like you kind of have to have, you have to be okay with what you like yeah. and versus, I don't know, you have some folks who are like, now I look like this and now I look like this. And like, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, mm-hmm. But then you have other people who like have a very sort of um, distinct style. I mean, like, as we're talking, um, you're wearing a pretty dope Letterman jacket. Like, Aww. Where you know, I'm just like, where, yeah, this Letterman jacket actually has BQ on it, I, yeah, it says babe, baby queen captain. Wait, so this is your merch? No, it, it's actually, um, 
it's actually the it's an outfit I wore in the artwork uh, that ha- an artwork that hasn't come out yet, but they it doesn't matter. We can talk about it. They can imagine it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because now you now you live by the eighteen month plan. Oh my god, it's it's more like a five year five year like schedule. <laughs> oh damn! Because do you already have tour dates and stuff lined up for like post quarantine world? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's loads. Like I think people are are pretty certain that we're gonna yeah it feels pretty certain that we're gonna get back on track next year so there's loads of stuff like already I know that I'm gonna be in on continents that I didn't even think that I would ever go to in my life you know so it's it's mad such as got a little bit of Australia Okay. Um, coming up in the start of the year. Obviously coming to the US. I'm actually coming to the US in a in a few months this year, yeah. June this year. I've never been to LA before, so that's gonna oh, be Oh shit. Yeah, oh. I know. I'm not ready. Um <laughs> You're gonna have to go to this weird ass, super fancy hipster grocery store called Erwan. All right. I'm gonna I'm, go. I'm serious. All it's, right. It's bizarre and it's also like because of quarantine and it basically being one of the only places that's <laughs> that's like open during yeah. that time right like there's no nightclubs there's no like place to like hang all the celebs and everyone are all at Erwan getting $12 smoothies you're and- kidding me no 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 dead serious is that the place to be seen yeah well like I'm literally gonna live you and there. Phoebe Bridgers going to Erwan oh uh, I see I'm the kind of person who you've told me that information I will put on my favorite baby queen outfit and go and stand <laughs> in the middle of that store see and comes back to, to fashion Hell what's yeah. the outfit yeah oh my god the outfit oh my god it's got to be the it's gonna definitely be the leather jacket from these drugs music video it's so okay. sick it's uh, my stylist made it it's got like paint all over it like um badges pins oh the punk rock it. thing yeah wait you have a stylist yeah Oh my god, you 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 do have like you got the full entourage. Yeah, you yeah, I mean like you have to. You, you well, it's like <laughs> You're like wait yeah, shit. Yeah. Wait shit. No, I promise. No, I do. I do. The thing is like it's like um you either work with a different stylist for every music video and everything that you do mm-hmm. or you choose to not do that and I uh wanted my best friend. So I went to her and I said girl you're coming with me <laughs> there you go so yeah so she's she's scottish she's like my best friend in the world so i think it's so important to have people on your team that are like um do you know what i mean people that that you are actually best friends with because that's who you're spending all your time with yeah people that don't care whether or not you're famous or anything yeah yeah that's Fa- that's like gonna... f- famous and stuff yeah <laughs> Dude, that was not me that I'm, said that. I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine like being at the point where you're actually like, whoa, like I'm actually famous. Like I was watching the Billie Eilish documentary last night. I watched the, and it was like, whoa, like imagine, fuck, that is so hectic. It made me think that I might need to backtrack and rethink my career choice. Oh, yeah? 
well it's just like super intense isn't it like do you know what i mean like i can see the i can see the the very 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 early parallels and i'm like whoa girl no like i'm not about to break my ankle and then go back out on stage like that's not happening <laughs> that i mean i would say like yeah like the billy eilish thing the the apple tv plus whatever documentary like it the amount of pressure that billy that woman has to face is gargantuan and like seriously on another level of any other musician like you, you think about like beyond yeah and you think about like huge musicians like i don't know let's say like elton john right who's kind of like always been big and never really gone away no one's like really scrutinized yeah what elton john might have said in passing when he was in his early 20s exactly, like yeah. yeah no one's in and like just the stuff that she's had to deal with and the stuff that musicians deal with now is sometimes it's not even about the music which is just trash in itself oh my god it's, like, it's it's very i always say it's it's 50 percent of of my job is music and it shouldn't it shouldn't be that way but it, it, it even even it feels like because obviously you like making the music, but there's so sure. there's so much more that I mean. Obviously, she's on a scale that is like completely unimaginable to me. But you know, it is. There is so much other. There's so much political stuff, and just watching watching all the politics of that was just quite crazy. I think um, it must be insane to be like the biggest pop star in the world in this time at this moment is not easy yeah and shout out to taylor swift for finally speaking up a little late but yeah glad she did it shout out taylor swift <laughs> we're very proud of you <laughs> um on that note like when did you realize that you were successful Oh, there'd been a few moments. I was always like the kid, the ki- the kid and the family. Like my sister had like the great job and boyfriend and like. What's your age difference between you and your sister? Three years. Okay. She she just she was just like the one. Do you know what I mean? Like the normal one, and I was like the one that was like I'm moving to London, like and then got tattoos, and I was like the, I I I I think I was like. I don't know, like the, I was like the crazy kid. Do you know what I mean? And then, so I think, you know, when I, when I finally like got that record deal and made, made like money from making music. Mm -hmm. Um, and at one point, yeah, just, just mad. Like I, you know, fine, finally my family was like, oh, like you did. (laughs) So this isn't a joke. So that was a fucking nice feeling. And then I think, um, when was another moment? Um, I'm about to employ my mom. Wait, so hold on. Yeah. What, what, what's happening? She's moving from South Africa. She's, she's coming here to work um, on, on Team Baby Queen. So that is like, um, that's like... You know, did another- she negotiate with you? Was she like, "Look, I feel like my, I feel like the value I bring to the table is this," and you were like, Shh, "I don't know." You know what? I I feel like I was. <laughs> she hasn't negotiated yet. We'll see. I I was just like drowning. I've been like just like it's it's just been. Um, I just felt like I I wasn't really coping. Do you know what I mean? And and I just needed help. And then she also like um, 
currently like is staying with friends. Do you know what I mean? She's like, mm-hmm. her life's sort of a bit um, uh, up in the air at the moment. So I was like, come over here and that's going to be really nice. Do you know what I mean? That's going to be a moment where I'm like, okay, well, that's, if nothing else, like I did that in my life, you know? No, I mean, that's incredibly bold and true. I mean, when you yeah. think about what real, you know, what air quote like success is, the ability to take care of a family member or family, I mean, that's it. Like, I mean, I had a kid and it fucking blew my mind in, yeah. that, in that instance. That's it. I think that it's like you immediately ask about success and, and, and I think immediately about like my family and when I proved to them that I was good enough, you know, that's all, that's what it's about. Like it's never, I think the things that drive you are so different to what the things that people, even what the person themselves thinks is driving them, you know, um, like, I think I just always wanted to, like, you know, prove prove that I didn't have to be like everyone else to be successful or to, like, you know. And so so those are the moments that I think it's the, that kind of moment, like a moment where, like, I impressed the people that, do you know what I mean? Like my mom and dad or where I came from or whatever. Um, not really, like, you know, like your song streaming somewhere or Yeah, I mean, if, if your answer was, like, winning a Grammy or being on stage with whatever then you know it like which is fine to have i guess but it it just i think the joy that you'll get yeah and receive from from taking care of family is is yeah i mean it's it's the greatest feeling on earth you have to man you have to because like you can go through you know like there's nothing worse than that than the guilt i felt such guilt for leaving home for so long and like i felt guilty that i'd come over here and left my family behind and they loved me and i'm left them and that's where i came from and that's essentially all that matters at the end of the day is those people do you know what i mean so it's a weird thing it's 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 very i'm very very lucky to be able to recon to like reconcile that after 5 years you know um who knows how long I would have, I don't know. It makes it a lot easier when, when, you know, th- when you do get success to be able to like see people, see your family. I, have, I haven't seen them for like two and a half years. So. Holy shit. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, I, so I moved to New York at 19, lived in New York for 15, 16 years, whatever. Um, and just in quarantine, just moved back to my hometown. So I'm in St. Louis, Missouri in, in the Midwest. Amazing. And um, like my dad's health is complete shit. Mm-hmm. And the the hardest thing that I've like tried to process and figure out is I like I left my family and like tried to go, you know, figure out who I was and, you know, got married, had a kid, all that stuff. But like sometimes I ask myself, like, what was the cost? absolutely it's like it's like in order to leave you have to i mean in order to find your identity you have to leave in order to find who you are on planet earth i couldn't have stayed there that's what Mm -hmm. i had to do for myself and that's what they wanted you to do too like every parent wants that exactly and i know that you're not going to be in a position where your kid grows up and you're going to feel like they are leaving or betraying you but you do you do feel betrayal because it's like that is that's your 
you've you've got honor do you know what i mean you've got mm-hmm. you've got honor and you've got you've got bonds there do you know what i mean so it's it's yeah it's difficult it's really difficult i um i think it's it's something that i I, I pushed out of my mind for so long because I had to come here and I had to make it work and I had to survive. And if you think about what you're missing, you're going to want to go back to it. And I couldn't go back. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't yeah. ever do that. So I had to just like, you know, but it's nice to, to be able to like, be like, okay, cool. Like come over here, come and join me sort of thing. Yeah. What'd your sister think? She initially suggested that it could be her to come instead. Um, when Fair. that didn't pan out, you know what? I think that she she's re- she doesn't want to be left behind. You know what I mean? Because she's still in, in Johannesburg in South Africa. She doesn't want to be left behind, which I understand. But like at the same time, like my mom, we both know that she needs something. She wants to like live a life. Do you know what I mean? Like that she mm-hmm. needs to have a life. So mm-hmm. think ultimately we're like she's happy for her you know and to be honest it's my turn to have mom now (laughs) there you go you've had her for five years (laughs) (laughs) um so you're gonna hit the road soon and you'll be playing live shows playing in front of people less cameras maybe people holding cameras but people Uh, (laughs) my um, favorite kind of person (laughs) Um, you have, do you have any like dream touring people? Like, like, okay, it, I want to open for this or I want this person to open for me. Oh. Who is it? Who's your baby queen featuring album? I mean, I'd be such a fool not to say Taylor Swift. I'd be lying if I didn't say Taylor Swift. So Taylor Swift, 1975, St. Vincent. She's, she's going to hit the road pretty soon. I'm, uh, I, I just think she's incredible. Like I've. She's the most phenomenal musician I've referred. I mean, the way she plays guitar, like, like that girl on stage. With She's the a Berkeley kid. Amazing. She Berkeley. She's unreal. And, and just, I, I think she's just got like an amazing mind. You can tell the artistry, you can, the vision and everything that's, you know, you can tell it's someone where the music informs everything else. And it like stems from a place of just being a really talented artist. Um, but yeah, I love her. I think she's amazing. I, we reference her all the time. Jack Antonoff, St. Vincent in the studio. We have this phrase where we're writing a song, me and King Ed, and it will be like, what would Annie do? Like, so, and we abbreviate it. Do you know what I mean? Like W-W-A, whatever, W-W-A-D. And it's like, what would, what would Annie do in this moment? Baby Queen would do this, but Annie would do this. And then we do that. There you go. That's yeah. going to be a lot of pentatonic scales on guitar. Yeah. It's going to be some <laughs> some bizarro like diminished fifth jazz chords. <laughs> yeah. Some yelling. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. and like music through ring modulators and envelope filters. Yeah, yeah, we love a good envelope filter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is pretty dope. Um yeah. anyway, well that's that's great. Congrats again. The music is fantastic. Thank and you so much. Best of luck on your tour. Yeah. It was great seeing you. Great to see you. I will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Blamo. Our show is produced by Blamo Media. Our associate producer is Jason Schwimmer. Maddie Franklin is in your DMs and running our socials. And Brendan Finn edits the show and my life. 
Theme music, as always, from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You can find us on Instagram, at Blamo Podcast. And do us a favor, leave a review on whatever app you're listening to us on right now, unless you're driving. If you can't stop and need all the hot content, join us on Patreon for tons of exclusive episodes, our private Slack group, merch hookups, and all the fun in the whole wide world that's on the internet. I'm Jeremy Kirkland, and I had a full bag of Pirates booty after my second COVID shot. I'm vaccinated.